Chapter 3. More Thoughts on the Nature of the Cult of the Simulacrum In modern times the simulation hypothesis, popularly referred to as simulation theory, has gained a widespread following in such diverse fields as physics, mathematics, computing, and philosophy. The simulation hypothesis has become so widespread, in fact, it has turned into, I wince to say it, but honesty compels me, a sort of cult in its own right, one composed of many subcults that love to attack one another as subcults relish doing. This isn't the place to unpack the many varieties and nuances of this at times extremely technical theory that's like a tree with many branches. But consider that as far back as the landmark article, a holographic concept of reality, first printed in 1975, a team of researchers headlined by physicist Richard Allen Miller were already establishing a bioscientific framework for what would eventually be called the simulation hypothesis. We propose that the reality hologram, which appears as a stable world of material objects is the elementary particle which has a long-term existence and fairly simple rules of interaction. We also propose the existence of a biohologram, which appears mobile and evolving through the DNA molecule. This biohologram projects a dynamic three-dimensional image that serves as a guiding matrix for the manipulation and organization of the reality hologram. Thus we have mobile self-organizing holograms moving through a relatively static simpler hologram. The possibility exists that such biohograms could achieve sufficient coherence to continue existence as a pattern of radiant energy apart from a material substrate. We feel that such an occurrence could form the scientific basis of such psychoenergetic phenomena as psychokinesis, clairvoyance, telepathy, and precognition. In Embryonic Holography, Miller continues this train of holographic theorizing that leads straight to, through and beyond such massively influential works as Michael Talbot's The Holographic Universe. DNA appears to be the projector of a biohologram, both at cellular and organismic levels. This means that DNA is responsible for creating a complex pattern of three-dimensional electromagnetic standing and moving wave fronts in the space that the organism occupies. We believe that these wave fronts interact with, interpenetrate and interdetermine the physical substance that makes up the creature. The biohologram has characteristic properties that include the ability to affect the DNA that occupies specific positions within the biohologram. In such a situation the nervous system constitutes, first and foremost, a coordination mechanism that integrates DNA projections across all of the cells in the biohologram, aligning these cellular holograms and linking the whole creature hologram. Affirming, basically, that all the world's a stage, Miller certainly sets the stage for explaining just how a simulated dreamscape or simulacrum might play out in biological terms. Alongside Western biology, even Eastern medicine has for a long time been busy reinterpreting its data from an unapologetically holographic perspective. Naturopath Stephen Lindstead in Frequency Fields at the Cellular Level, noted some years ago. Dr. Ralph Allen Dale, director of the Acupuncture Education Center in North Miami Beach, Florida, after tracking down clinical and research data from China, Japan, and Germany, has accumulated evidence of 18 different microacupuncture holograms in the body, including one in the hands, feet, arms, neck, tongue, and even gums. Dale feels that these microsystems are holographic reiterations of the gross anatomy, and believes there are still other such systems waiting to be discovered. In a notion reminiscent of David Bohm's assertion that every electron in some way contains the cosmos, Dale hypothesizes that every finger, and even every cell, may contain its own acupuncture microsystem. It is this holographic characteristic of the body's energy field that provides physical, mental, emotional and spiritual feedback into areas of incoherence. 
Now flash forward to the simulated multiverse. The description alone to this fascinating exploration in which an MIT computer scientist, Rizwan Verk, digs into the simulation hypothesis is compelling. If we are living in a simulated universe, composed of information that is rendered around us, then many of the complexities and baffling characteristics of our reality start to make more sense, he writes. In particular the two most popular interpretations of quantum mechanics, the Copenhagen interpretation and the many worlds interpretation, which are thought to be mutually exclusive, can be unified in an information-based framework. Quantum computing lets us simulate complex phenomena in parallel, allowing the simulation to explore many realities at once to find the most optimum path forward. Could this explain not only the enigmatic Mandela effect but provide us with a new understanding of time and space? I'd add that the simulation hypothesis also gives us an insightful way of viewing the physical space-time of Dewey Larson's controversial but compelling reciprocal system of physical theory, about which I've written a great deal in both my fiction and non-fiction, and its complement, the quantum domain of time-space. From the perspective of the simulation hypothesis, we could say the simulacrum is space-time, while what gives rise to this realm is the motherboard of time-space. One could also, since we're discussing reciprocal theory, flip these and consider the dynamic in the inverse. Regardless, the two inextricably linked domains create a kind of unified field in which one system gives rise to another. But, those unable to stomach simulation theory will shout, there's no way none of this is real. How is that even scientifically achievable? It's just this type of unimaginative question to which Geraint Lewis, professor of astrophysics at the University of Sydney, is responding in his 2012 article, Alert, you may be living in a simulated universe, when he writes. We are always limited by the power of computing, but as computers get bigger and faster, so does the detail within our synthetic universes. But let's imagine a time in the future, a time when computers are powerful enough to fully simulate a human brain, with its vast array of interconnected neurons. These neurons obey the laws of physics, and fire as the chemical balances change. Thoughts would echo around this synthetic brain, with electrical signals coursing backwards and forwards. Not being a philosopher, I will ignore the seemingly endless debates about free will and consciousness, but if you take a purely mechanical view of the human brain, the synthetic brain will be as alive as the organic brain that made it. Some years ago I was given permission to republish an excellent overview of simulation theory, referenced previously, by John Rappaport, who cites a study, also from 2012, from Bonn University when he explains. The study proposes that cosmic rays undergo a strange energy shift. The energies are refitted to align with an underlying pattern or lattice. There is only one proper fit, no exceptions are permitted. If the lattice is, indeed, a basic pixel-like reality we are interacting with every day of our lives, then we could be living inside a created artifice. A simulation. Put this description alongside the hypothesis that the universe is a hologram. Lines of code inscribed on a two-dimensional surface deliver instructions on how the lattice is built and what its properties are. In other words, the software which holographically projects the universe includes the exact structure of the lattice. Then, by the rules of the game, energies which don't automatically plug into the lattice framework precisely as they're supposed to are snapped to a correct fit, as Mike Adams has suggested. Mike has made the analogy to a television picture, which consists of pixels that have their own dimensions and structure. So if we imagine an all-encompassing television picture, this would be the lattice-controlled reality we live in. Adams further develops this concept when he proposes, our universe, it turns out, is digital, not analog. Heck, 
Even your DNA is digital, not analog. You are a digitized physical being imbued with a non-material consciousness that transcends this physical simulation. Even best-selling science author Greg Braden has recently been willing to consider the mounting evidence supporting simulation theory. What do we do with all this talk of holographic DNA, when a whole camp of truther types has just called the genetic code itself a figment, creating yet another contested terrain in this slippery reality, where truth keeps sliding around? We lump it in with all the other dualities clashing here as yet another divide-and-conquer ruse used by the great parasite to control and loose the minds and hearts of the population. If we can basically throw the scientific method out the window, who cares if there's disagreement over the existence of DNA? None of this reality is real to begin with. As the spaghetti of competing conspiracy theories has shown, there are scores of equally effective, plausible ways to bring down a couple of skyscrapers. We're making it all up through our observations and beliefs. And the things that we make up take on a reality, to the extent they're imbued with our observational energy. All seeming dualities are merely aspects of the dreamscape programming, part of the control matrix that seeks to keep the students in the spiritual classroom, us, from figuring out that none of this is actually happening. What is happening, apparently, in one of the most mind-bending circle jerks imaginable, is that the dreamscape acts as an intelligent medium. That feeds back to us the very proof we require to sustain our own belief systems that inform our particular observed experience of, the dreamscape. How else do we explain so many fisticuffs in which otherwise intelligent groups arrive at diametrically opposed conclusions based on, scientific, observation and experimentation? Here's where I started out with this mystifying, kaleidoscopic way of understanding, reality, all the way back in 2005 in Conscious Healing. Cue the haters for quoting myself again, and know that I'll be doing this throughout this ebook. Looking at the human body as a congealed thought, which at first may strike the reader as strange, is in the final analysis deeply empowering. Repeatedly, quantum physicists have demonstrated that a scientist always and inevitably affects the outcome of an experiment simply by observing it, a realization now universally accepted in the scientific community as the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Even more amazing is the paradigm-altering discovery that gave rise to the particle-wave duality. The probability that the physicist actually creates the quantum particles he or she observes, since in unobserved states these particles appear to exist only as waves. A fundamental and revolutionary truth emerges from this information, consciousness creates. As human beings imbued with free will, we can use the power of our consciousness to recreate our reality, including but not limited to a body, mind and spirit free of disease. I emphasize, recreate, because, clearly, we already inhabit one creation. The world as we know it is based on the principle of duality. Another way of stating this is that a dualized or divided consciousness, one that already saw itself as separate from other consciousnesses, including unity or God consciousness, gave birth to the universe as humans typically experience it, a battleground between good and evil, light and dark, right and wrong, us and them. But duality is not merely a philosophy, it is a physical state of being as well. The very atoms that make up our cells are founded on positive and negative charges whose opposition sustains a certain life form. 
Years ago, Bruce Lipton coined the phrase, biology of consciousness to summarize the transformational idea that living organisms, including humans, rather than being empirical givens, are actually malleable thought forms. In other words, adopting a quantum perspective, we are basically waves that only cohere as particles through an act of consciousness. By changing our consciousness, we change our physical form and functioning. So, does the holographic nature of our world automatically make our experience of the simulated dreamscape meaningless? Absolutely and emphatically not. If we're indeed running, life sims, like a species trying to figure out how to survive and or evolve, what matters is what we learn from the experience, not what we are, or are not, during it. Or if some other learning, program, is running here, which I think may be likely, that must possess meaning, too. While we can legitimately debate the nature of the oversoul, or even whether there is one, and conjecture, as has Nick Bostrom most prominently, as to why humans could have found and lost themselves in a simulacrum to begin with. What could possibly be the specific rationale for such apparent madness? One thing we cannot dispute and maintain our intellectual honesty. When examined closely, reality appears manifestly managed, contrived. Depending on your level of indoctrination in the world cult, this phenomenon can be hard to see. But once you've seen the unreality of reality, it's incredibly hard to unsee. As I'll go into later in this ebook, upon reflection, research and reference to my inner Gnosis, I don't believe the world is a technological artifact at all. It appears far more complicated and nuanced than any computer program, however advanced. That said, I trust I've given you some food for thought as to possible ways such a construct as ours might be constructed and what some of the repercussions of inhabiting a simulated dreamscape might be. Experience the full ebook and audiobook only at soulluckman.substack.com